What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. My name is Ramon, and this is Dad's Podcast Project. And today I wanted to talk about uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Today I had taken my son to go see this in theaters. And for those of you who have not seen it yet, you might be planning on seeing it. I just want to go ahead and preface that this is going to be somewhat of a spoilery review. So consider yourself warned. And with that being said, we'll just go ahead and jump right into into my take and as well as my experience taking my son to see this movie. So to start off, I thought that the film was it was really good. I I, I didn't have any, you know, qualms or quarrels about it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that they had made the changes necessary uh, to the character. It was really it was really haggard uh, what they first came out with that first version of Sonic. Uh, he he really did in the memes uh, all over social media. He really did end up looking like a bluish version of the little boy in the Jumanji film, uh, the original Jumanji, of course. Uh, that boy was turned into a monkey, and it was pretty much like that is what Sonic looked like. And so, the fact that they were able to take social media's criticisms of the character and go back and and decide to just completely revamp the character. Um, it was definitely good on the studios for doing that. I, I respected the change. I probably would not have seen the film otherwise. However, my son did express interest in seeing it. So, I mean, I may have just seen it anyways. <laughs> but <clears throat> with that being said, I, there were a few things that uh, stood out to me and to... Being a fan of the games, my brother and I, we played the Sonic the Hedgehog games when we were kids, when they first came out for the Sega Genesis. The Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, Sonic and Knuckles, uh, the little expansion pack port that you know you plugged into the game console and you flipped the lid back and you put another Sonic game on top of that. I mean, we we played these games and i want to say sonic 2 was pretty much our bread and butter for years we never owned the first sonic and i think we only ever borrowed sonic and knuckles from a friend and sonic 3 um but growing up with that as a game i i definitely felt like a connection to the character and like i kind of knew what i was getting into going into things i was curious as to how they were going to make the transition from video game to film. I know that back in the 90s, they they had made those attempts with films like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, I mean, Mario Brothers. There's, there's so many okay attempts made at it, and then there are some of those that stand out as just completely failed attempts at trying to make the transition from video game and creating a story with such little background or lore within the universe itself and making it into a movie or like we've seen with the Ninja Turtles rebooted franchise, uh, just trying to make like a Transformer-ish, like totally a 100% digitized version of these Ninja Turtles when a lot of us grew up with the just actors in costumes. So some things don't translate very well. And I think that they did a really good job with the information that they had. Now, I don't know if there is a complete like overhaul on the lore and a full like rich backstory 
with the Sonic universe. All I know is that Sonic the Hedgehog characters like Tails, Dr. Robotnik, a.k.a. Eggman. There's Dark Sonic. There's um, Knuckles. I mean, these are the characters I know. These are like the foundational characters. I know that there are others that exist in other Sonic the Hedgehog games that I've not yet like experienced or played myself. However, it's just one of those things that I was really curious how they were going to expand upon it. And I thought that they did a really good job with it. So to again, spoiler review, there are going to be some spoilers in this podcast or in this episode and just consider yourself warned. If you haven't seen the film yet and you, it is something that you do want to go see, then I suggest that you just go ahead and stop listening now. But with that being said, I like how they introduce the character of Sonic and how he is a, a species from just another part of the universe or another part of the galaxy. It's not like it's just this made up. Well, I mean, it is made up, but it's not like it's just this. There's some films where like the video game gets struck by lightning and then this character comes to life. I mean, it, they didn't do anything like that. They, they implemented this character as another species in the galaxy or in the universe and expanded upon that by pretty much laying a foundation that there are other planets or there are other habitable places in this in this whole entire universe that they've created. And so when he's like, you know, a little baby hedgehog or kid hedgehog, uh, his home island or home planet or whatever it is that he is on, it's very similar to the first two levels of the original Sonic the Hedgehog game in look and feel. Uh, it has the loop-de-loops, it has the jumps, and all of the things that you're familiar with seeing if you've played the game. So they definitely do some fan service with that. And then they introduce like some owl character, or a character that's pretty much just an owl. And this here is another intelligent species, and we're to think that Sonic is not even from this island, that he doesn't know where he comes from, and this owl is just some creature that took him in and is trying to safeguard him. And the reason for that being that we find out later is because Sonic has an ability, not only of just super speed, but that he is like, he's just, the the way to describe it, I think that he's like a source of unlimited energy. And with this ability or with this power, this owl sees that if others know of it, or know of his existence, that they will try to take him and or exploit him for that ability or that power. They want to take that for themselves. And we see that right off the bat in the beginning of the film. And she and I like how they, to, to touch on the coins, they weren't just something that you just collected and when you got hit, they fall. I mean, they kind of expanded on that too. And I want to say that remembering back to maybe it was Sonic 3, uh, you could actually jump into larger rings and it would then port you somewhere else. So I think that they kind of already touched on, you know, these rings as being a, a device for traveling. And it's one of the things that he ends up stating to his uh, human uh, co-star. I, I, I would say that Sonic is the main star of this film. So his man, his human co-star, um, he ends up expressing to him that, you know, the, this is the form of 
of interstellar travel pretty much for all higher, maybe higher level beings or uh, species in the universe. And they're not traveling out there through rocket ships and things like that. It's actually these, these rings. They just think of where they want to go, toss the ring, and it opens a portal to which they can then travel through. So he ends up finding himself on Earth, and he's been there for a hot minute. He is maybe, he sounds like a, like a young adult, but I'm guessing they want you to feel that Sonic is maybe a teenager, maybe, maybe younger. I'm not exactly sure, but his voice sounds like he's older, like he's a young adult, so, or the voice actor at least. And so one of the things that I, I definitely really thought was cool about that was that they just jumped right into it. They didn't kind of find like, oh, you have to go to Earth and you have to find this thing and you have to you know, complete this quest. The story was very basic. Sonic, you're special. People are going to want to try to capture you. You just need to lay low and stay hidden. People are coming after you. So it was more like just a, a thing where he was just out on his own and very secluded for that, for that matter. Now, some of the things that I didn't care much for about this film, and I understand, again, this film is not, it was not designed for, for me, for my age group, for my demographic. It was, and I don't even think it was really intended for my son's age group. I think it was maybe, you know, middle school aged kids, like, gosh, maybe seven to 15, maybe younger than 15, maybe seven to 13 is the age that they were trying to hit. Because my son definitely didn't feel like sitting through this entire film. There were times where he just wanted to get up and go. He just looked at me and he was like, all right, dad, I'm ready. I'm ready to leave. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, we dropped a little over $20 on these tickets here. Let's see this through to the end. I can guarantee you that the time between this dialogue, there will be some action coming shortly if you're just patient. So trying to get him to sit through this film was definitely not a small order. And I say this because mostly apart, he did express interest in seeing this film prior to going. We saw the preview uh, during the Frozen 2 uh, opening trailers. And he was like, oh, wow, that looks really cool. I want to go see that. But in the back of my mind, I also knew and understood that, well, this would be his first sort of live action film. Like the only digitized character would be Sonic and maybe some of the tech, like the drones and things like that uh, going around. Other than that, I think movies that are pretty much hit on what he wants to see are primarily like Toy Story or like animated Pixar and Disney animated films. These are the ones that resonate with him and that hold his attention, which is why we could sit through movies like Frozen, uh, why Moana is still on constant repeat here at the house, and why we own all of the Toy Story films. It's just he is into that stuff. And as parents, they're very good films for us to watch too, which brings me to one of my major gripes about this movie. Again, with respect, I know that this wasn't intended for my audience, but as a parent, we do have to take our children to see these movies. And I feel like films do a really great job at catering to the parents that bring the kids to see them. Some of them. Pixar does a really great job at this. Disney, even though they're the same company, 
but different production studios. That's neither here nor there. But a Pixar film, a Disney film, they're intended for children, but they do a really great service to the parents by weaving in things that hold our attention. Now, I'm not saying that this film had to, but I'm saying it was one of the major things that made it hard for me to sit through as a parent. It's like, clearly my son doesn't want to see this, and I'm not even being held. My attention isn't even being held while watching this film. So that that became harder in itself to sit through. There were a few things, okay? The rings, interstellar travel, that is great. That's really cool. I'm on board with that. Let's expand upon that universe even more. Running fast, that's cool too. I'm a fan of The Flash. I'm a fan of Quicksilver and the uh, X-Men new class and what they did with his character and his ability to pretty much move so quickly that it seems as if time stops. And it's like, okay, well, here's a kid version of this. Maybe they can then hold my attention with some of these facets. And unfortunately, they didn't. I felt that the high-speed movements were time-stopped. They were kind of lackluster. One scene in particular was a bar scene uh, where pretty much a bar fight ensues. And I was just not entertained by that. I mean, Sonic, when he pretty much stops time, or doesn't really stop time, but moves so quickly that time seems to stop, and he's going through, I didn't feel like the song choices were on point. I didn't feel like what he did was even that great or even maybe it was just the camera angles. I don't know. I mean, looking at what they did with the flash during the justice league film and his really fast slow-mo montages and what they did with uh, Quicksilver and the X-Men first class, I felt like not only was the music on point with the action that was being consumed or being portrayed, but what they were doing was also really cool to watch. And I didn't feel like what I was watching Sonic do was that cool. And nor did I hear any kids in the audience at this theater really going, oh, wow, or laughing. Or Again, it might have been the demograph. I mean, the neighborhood in which this theater is located, a lot of these kids might be hardened you know, to, to maybe childish films. They, they seem like at a young age, they skip the sort of G and PG movies and jump right to PG-13. But again, I wasn't hearing much laughs. I wasn't hearing much much of that audience response. Still, not taking away from the film as a whole, but in part, it was one of the things that I, I had trouble sitting through. My son had you know, expressed disinterest in a lot of the dialogue portions. Even the dialogue portions, they didn't really go to move the story too much for me as well. I felt like, well, this is kind of just talking for the sake of talking, but there were a couple things that in addition to that, I also didn't really care for. And I guess before getting into like the things I didn't care for, if I recommend this movie to people, I would, I would say, go see it. If you're a fan of say Sonic the Hedgehog, the games, and you're an adult and you have children that you want to take to see this movie or that want to see this movie, take them. There are some parts that are kind of funny. There are some things that are pretty cool about seeing your your childhood character, video game character on the big screen. Um, but then there are some things that kind of stand out and make it to where I also feel like it's, I guess it's more of a meh. If you enjoy seeing movies on the big screen, 
then go see it on the big screen. But there are a lot of things about this film that I feel you could wait for it to be a rental. You can wait. You can even wait for it to be available on Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service that you're already subscribed to. You don't have to see this on the big screen unless you're a fan of going to the movies, which I am. I'm a fan of going to the movies. I'm a fan of uh, taking my son and introducing him to just a movie-going experience. But I felt that Jim Carrey's character as Dr. Robotnik, they, I wasn't a fan of it. I Just to be completely honest, I didn't care for him as Dr. Robotnik. I thought that his choice of just being a just a hyper intellectual person that is extremely rude to everyone because he feels that he is far more superior. Um, though we don't really get the gist of Dr. Robotnik outside of maybe the cartoons, uh, the Sonic cartoons, uh, I didn't really feel like maybe that was a type of Dr. Robotnik. I thought maybe mad scientist would have been something more interesting to explore. Just a, a guy who is crazed about capturing this creature and is looked at as maybe weird by everybody else, but not a person who is like uh, just an audible bully to everyone around him. I felt like that was just really out of place in this film. And it was kind of weird. It didn't really, I didn't feel like it fit, but that's just my opinion on that. Um, the tech was really cool that he implemented. Uh, he had a lot of drones. He had a lot of just dozers and all these cool looking gadgets. And I mean, it, it's not until the end that we really get to see like that classic Robotnik look. But even then, it's not like typical Eggman. It's not huge belly, skinny legs kind of guy. And I'm curious if they could even pull that off, like in, if anybody has that shape about them. Because uh, clearly Jim Carrey doesn't. He is a very slender individual, and adding a belly onto him, maybe they just didn't want to go that route. Uh, there was also another character, like one of the soldiers. I mean, he, I've seen him on like other television shows and 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 just other um, maybe other films too. I can't remember. Uh, I think he was on Desperate Housewives. Like <laughs> that's really throwing it back there. Like the one, the one show like I can I can name uh, that he was in, and I felt like oh man, that kind of sucked that he was only in it for such a short, a short little stint. And even the oh gosh, what was his name in the move in the show, uh, Battlestar Galactica? I think it was Saul. No, not Saul. Sal. I don't know. The person opposite, like second in command to. Uh, Adama. If anybody out there listening is a fan of Battlestar Galactica, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He even had a very short spot with like a couple lines in the Pentagon uh, sort of conference room. And there were just people like that that stood out to me. They were, they were individuals who I recognized. And other than that, it was just, you know, the regular, the regular, film it's as if they were just kind of one-off characters um but my son he seemed to really enjoy uh the end of the movie there was a lot of action going on that was like anytime sonic was on and he was running and he was talking and doing his thing uh, my son was definitely getting a kick out of that i think that 
I wish that the character was a little bit more, I guess, not to sound like too hipster, but I've, I wish that he was had more dimensions to him. I felt like he was more like your SpongeBob or your just low attention span, hyperactive kind of character, like very funny to watch and very funny to look at, but maybe not super relatable in a sense, like not, he didn't genuinely come off as like the hero. He came off as like just this creature with abilities. And that was pretty much it. I felt like Sonic in these games had a purpose and had had a, a, a drive about him and was more of a hero. And I, I guess I hoped that this character would have also reflected that only because when he in one scene of the of the movie he's actually reading like I want to say maybe every flash comic book so I felt like he might have you know educated himself on what it is to be a hero and what it is to I don't know to to master your abilities and and all of this I just it, that really missed the mark for me. And though I know it's not something that my son would have been looking out for, I think that in, in judging a movie for its content, I felt like the character could have had more developmental-wise or developmentally. They could have developed the character a little bit better. I know that they did a really great job, again, just talking back on the CG that they did. Uh, going back and redoing that just... 100% the right decision. <laughs> they, they really, oh man, that character was haggard. Just that first trailer, everybody was like, what is this? Hashtag not my Sonic. And so I was, I was definitely enjoying the fact that they, that they redid that. Um, other than that, I mean, it was, it was really great to, to be able to take my son to see another film. Uh, the last time my wife and I had gone together, with our son and we had taken him to see frozen Two, which is probably an episode that's now going to come out after this one. I'm not sure. I think I need to move things around in my podcasting schedule because I do record in advance and I know that it can become a bit of an issue if I, if I do this and I don't release them in the order with which they come out in. However, if you're watching on YouTube, they come out as I record them. I, I'm live streaming this, and so right after I'm done recording, the the podcast will be available and up on YouTube. So if you want to catch the most current and the most recent, I would recommend you subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm still trying to figure out scheduling for the iTunes or for the actual official podcast. I think that the content now, I'm coming out with so many episodes, or I'm recording so many episodes, I should say, that it feels as if I need to do two releases a week, but I, I'm nervous about doing that because then I feel like I need to commit to the amount or the quantity that I'm coming out with now. So I'm not ready to do that. I still am a part-time student, full-time employee, full-time dad. There's a lot on the plate and I don't want to commit to anything like that just yet. So all in all, it was a really great experience. The next film that we're going to be taking our son to is Onward. I think and that's a dream, is it DreamWorks? And so Chris Pratt and the kid who plays Spider-Man, I think they're both the main characters in that movie. It looks pretty cool. I'm interested to see 
what the story is going to be like. The first trailer that they released, I was not even remotely interested. And then the second trailer they released, it's like, okay, well, this is like a an adventure. They're going on a quest. And clearly they said they were going on a quest in the first trailer, but I didn't know what kind of quest they were going to go on. So that makes it a little bit more interesting, something to look forward to. So the other thing that I guess I want, I would like to talk about, but you know, if you made it this far, thank you. Um, I'm really interested about the, and I don't know if they have this in theaters around where you guys are, but they are offering the Regal Pass. And I guess what that is, is for $21 or $24.99 a month, you get to see unlimited movies. You can just go. And now I know movies don't get released like every single week. But if you think about it, if there is 10 movies and it's like 10 bucks a pop, well, you can see all 10 movies that would have originally cost you $100 to go see, and you can see them for just $24 a month or $25. Now, the math only really works out if they're films that you want to see. And I think that this is something that I would like to at least sit down and talk with my wife about for myself, not for the entire family, because we have a hard time even getting away on date nights. I don't want to, I don't want us to commit to like say some $150 for the three of us because uh, our daughter's not yet going to the movies. And then on top of that, paying for a babysitter um, kind of commitment when we might only see a movie once every two to three months. However, for myself, I am a huge fan of film and I would like to see every movie that's out, to be honest. And I'm curious if that's something that I might venture into with this podcast as well, is adding episodes where I go and see movies and then give my honest reviews on them. Of course, they would be like spoilery reviews, but I also don't want to give a review that's like verbatim what happens moment by moment in the film, more touching on whether or not I feel it's worth a rental, a Netflix, or seeing it in the theaters. Now... It's still up in the air. I'm not asking for a vote on this. It's something that as a movie goer myself, I'm sure I'll just make whatever decision is best um, for me. But is it something that you guys are interested in doing for yourselves? Paying another subscription service to catch movies in the theater. Because that is a pretty steep price to pay to see a movie in a theater, but you are guaranteed to see the movie. Whereas on Netflix, on Hulu, on whatever service you're getting, there are so many now. It seems as if the movies are guaranteed to be in theaters and then it's a toss up as to which streaming service is gonna get that movie to then stream. Or you can always just pay, I think it's $3.99 to Apple or I'm sure Amazon is close to the same price to just rent the film and watch it at home. But is $24 or $25 worth it to you if you watch maybe, if you're watching two or three movies, three movies for sure uh, per, per month, I would think that that definitely is paying for itself. Now for me, I, that would open up the forum to watch every movie even the ones that are like 
that come off as box office bombs that might never make it to say Netflix or, or any of these other streaming services and just sort of fall off the map. And I'm a fan of the whole experience going into the theater and checking out this, that, and the other. But we also have limited theaters here where I currently live. So I don't really know if it would work out best because then I might be limited to only one theater that I can go to at any given time. And then if the movie's popular, it all comes down to whether or not uh, having that pass allows you to see it on opening night. I remember when they were releasing like uh, movie passes where you can purchase like, or you get like a free movie ticket. Um, one of the deals was like on opening night, they weren't, they weren't allowing passes. You had to wait a week or two weeks in some instances. So I'll have to read, I guess, the fine print and see what the best course of action is. But it's something that's on the table. It's something that I'm thinking about and something that I'm looking into. But if you guys made it this far in the podcast, I want to thank you for taking your time to listen. If you're watching on YouTube, I want to definitely thank you for taking the time to watch on YouTube. And thank you to the new subscribers that have joined Dad's Podcast Project. I hope you enjoy the content that is coming out. But that's all I pretty much have for you guys tonight or today. Until next time, see ya.